Super Talk Mississippi media production. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty, I'm with you today from the First Bank Studio right here in Hattiesburg. Glad you're with us this afternoon. Opening segment of our show every day is sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. We can't say enough good things about Justin and his guys. A great place to call for your uh, tailgate that might be upcoming on the football campus. Uh, Dickies can cater any event for you, large or small, and uh, they always do a great job. So we hope that uh, we hope that you'll take advantage of Dickies Barbecue. All right, special show today. Luke's going to be joining me a little later in the program uh, to preview tomorrow's game, uh, football game, opening game between Southern Miss and South Alabama. But uh, we wanted to visit with baseball coach Scott Berry this afternoon. And coach, we appreciate you uh, coming on this uh, special edition of the Eagle Hour. Well, my pleasure, Bob. Especially. Uh, when it's not baseball season, so don't get to talk to you guys much when it when it's not season. So it's good to revisit here as we start the uh, the school year. Well, good deal, Coach. We always are, we always have you on the show. We're always talking about the upcoming game or the previous game or the upcoming series, the previous series. So today, I wanted to spend some time talking about some different things. I wanted to talk about you, Coach Barry, since uh, you are the leader of our beloved baseball program and. Uh, so I guess my first question would be, and I, I think this will be a fascinating conversation for our listeners, when did you, Coach Barry, first get introduced to the game of baseball? When, where, and how did that happen? Well, I guess it was probably uh, just like most young young kids at, a, at an early age. I can't tell you exactly what age it was. I know that uh, I, I love sports from the moment that, that I, I could figure out what you do with a ball. And, and it didn't matter if it was a baseball, football, or a basketball. Uh, but I knew, I knew when I was really, really little that I liked it and I liked to, to play. So, But I grew up in a little town called Neosho in the southwest corner of Missouri, right next to Oklahoma, Arkansas, and, and Kansas, and uh, right at the foothills of the Ozarks and uh you know in a traditional family just you know I had a great mother and a father and and I had a brother and had grandparents and we all you know lived there uh pretty close to one another in that town but you know uh Bob honestly uh just playing sports took off at a very young age probably of the three sports uh that I played those that I mentioned basketball was my favorite I know probably people go what and then probably football was my second favorite, and baseball was my least favorite. But with that being said, uh, you know, I grew up in, in the Midwest, so it kind of stayed a little bit colder than it does in the South. So a lot of times you were uh, held up in a gym a lot of times. So basketball was what we kind of all gravitated to, in all honesty. And and, uh, and then, of course, uh Football was it was big in the Midwest as well, and it seemed like baseball was something that I did in the summertime because uh, that's about that's about all you had to do to do that. And 
know, so in high school, I played all three sports and, uh, and then uh, signed a football scholarship out of high school and with no intentions of really going to play baseball. And, and, but I ended up, uh, ended up not playing football and ended up going to a junior college there in my hometown called Crowder College and played two years there, baseball, and then transferred to Nickel State down in Thibodeau, Louisiana. This was back in 1982. And um, had a couple of back surgeries that ended my career, and, and really that's what kind of moved me into the coaching side. Uh, when, I wasn't, when I wasn't able to play anymore, I knew I wanted to stay around the game. Uh, at that time, I'd really learned to love the game of baseball, and it had, had taught me a lot, and the coaches that I'd had – up to that point had really taught me a lot about not only the game, but, but about life and competing. And, and I have really had some really strong influences uh, outside of my dad and my mom and grandparents. But, you know, it was the coaches that I had as, as I moved towards my coaching career. One thing I've learned in my broadcasting career, Coach, is, uh, is, is what a huge influence high school coaches are and junior college coaches are on kids as, as they're growing and developing. And I'm sure you've seen that, obviously, in your career. And you, I gather, experienced that as a player. I did. And, you know, I was I was a young man that played all three sports. So I, I had all three different coaches and assistant coaches coming at me from different directions. And I had three different sports that were, were moving my development in different directions. And, you know, that's why today I, you know, I'm, I'm really high on kids that like to play more than, more than just baseball, because I think it, it adds uh, to the development, the overall development of that athlete and more importantly, that person. And, and I experienced that as, as a player uh, being able to uh, play play three different sports and being influenced by all those coaches that you just mentioned, not only on the high school level, but also on the college level. And then as I moved into the coaching side of it, uh, I got my start at Southwest Missouri State, which is now Missouri State University. We actually played them last year at Pete Taylor Park, and Coach Gutton was the coach back then uh, whenever I started on his staff in 83 as as a student assistant and then worked my way into a graduate assistant and then it moved into what they call a volunteer assistant today before I moved to to, to Meridian in 1990 to get my full first full-time job an assistant job under coach Corky Palmer then right what'd you play in football and basketball coach what position well, in basketball, we'll start with it. I was a forward. I couldn't shoot a lick, but I could really rebound. That was one thing I could do. I could really jump. and uh, But uh, about the only shooting I could do is rebound and go right back up with it. But anything on uh, anything outside the lines, I gave it to somebody else and then tried to fight for position to get inside to, to get an offensive rebound or, or, or tip it back in. But then in football, I was a tight end and a linebacker uh, in football and was recruited as a linebacker uh, at the next level. but uh, And then in baseball, in high school, I was actually a, a center fielder in high school. And I pitched a little bit, not a whole lot, just one of those. I was a thrower. I had a good arm, but I didn't know where I was throwing it. And I kind of <laughs> intimidated people more than I got them out, in all honesty. So, uh, But I was a center fielder. And then I, when I got to college, I found out that at the next level, the game gets a little faster, and so do the people around you. And I'll never forget Coach Gary Rowart, who is probably the greatest influence as far as a coach goes in my life as a player. 
he looked at me and he said, do you want to play this game for a while? And I was like, yes, sir. And he said, well, you need to learn to catch. You're not fast enough to play the outfield. And from that moment on, I became a catcher and probably taught me more than any other position could have ever taught me. Uh, and so I was very grateful for his uh, recommending that I go behind the plate, not only for the player side, but also for what would be in my future, the coaching side uh, in baseball. You know, Coach, as you know, I watch you guys every time you play and watch a lot of college baseball. I've always admired the kids that are catching. They just – is it fair to say they're the toughest kids on the field? Well, I think so, having played other positions and then having the transition to a catcher. It's a mindset that no other position uh, has to require you to have. Um, you know, you're sitting back there and you're trying to, to block pitches that are 90 plus miles an hour in the dirt. I mean, that just doesn't make much sense, in all honesty. Uh, but you do that. Uh, you know, you're, you're back there. You're, you're coaching the defense. You're babysitting the pitchers. Uh, you're trying to figure out hitters. So there's so much about the game that is exposed to you at that position. While, while after you come off defense, now you got to figure out how to hit. But mm-hmm. as catchers, we understand that the defensive side is the most important part of our game, not the offensive side. And uh, to try to really instill that in your own catchers, that, hey, you've got a lot of, lot of responsibility from the defensive side that you need to worry about. Don't take your bat to the field. So it not only becomes a physical position, but it also becomes a mental position as well. So you, I guess, have a kind of a special place in your heart for the catchers you coach. Do you get to spend much time individually with those kids teaching them that position, Coach? Off and on. You know, uh, the, uh, the Coach Amarati handled them prior to, to them. I, I, prior to his uh, with us here last spring, I was handling them. Uh, but now that we have Coach Brewer, he's, a, he's an ex-catcher. I've turned it over to him, and I've gone back with the outfield. So, you know, for a long time, um, for as long as I can remember, Southwest Missouri State, I was always with the catchers. When I was with Coach Paul Meridian, I was always with the catchers. Uh, and, and for the majority of the time that I've been at, at Southern Miss, I've been with the catchers as well. But it's here of late, it's kind of, uh, kind of gone back to some of our other assistants. So I enjoy it. It's a great position. I like to see kids who enjoy it as well. Uh, like I said, it, it takes a real mindset that no other position requires you to have. We're talking head baseball coach Scott Berry about his playing career and what brought him to the game of baseball. When we continue, Coach, I want to talk to you about your time at Meridian, uh, your association with Coach Palmer, and then some general questions about the game of college baseball. That good? Yes, sir. All right. Coach Scott Berry continues on the Eagle Hour. Short three-minute break. We'll be right back after this.
Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, welcome back. We're talking to head baseball coach Scott Berry this afternoon. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. Hope that you'll buy your apparel from them and uh, shop them online or in person six days a week. Luke will be joining me here in a little while. We're going to be talking, obviously, about the opening football game tomorrow. But now I want to continue my conversation with Coach Berry. So, Coach, after you uh, after you left uh, at, at Missouri State, where you were, were you helping out in a variety of coaching positions, you end up at Meridian Community College. And people people may not be completely aware of the enormous success you had there, including uh, two trips to the National Junior College World Series. Talk for just a moment about your time at Meridian. Well, it was a great time. A lot of great things happened to me in those 10 years. You know, first of all, I met my beautiful wife, uh, future wife-to-be, uh, Laura Berry. She was a speech teacher there. Uh, actually, her name was Laura Guerin at the time. So, uh, But we uh, we met two years later. Uh, we were married, and then we had, had our son, uh, Garen Berry, there in Meridian. Of course, uh, the relationship that Coach Palmer and I had from the very beginning was uh, and I can't, I can't thank him enough for the opportunity that he gave me. He didn't know me from Adam. We had met prior to uh, to, to uh, the summer of 1990 in January of 1990 at the NBC, or the ABCA Coaches Clinic in Nashville. Uh, Coach Denson had introduced me uh, to him because Coach Palmer had worked with Hill here as a as a graduate assistant prior to Meridian. So we kind of got to know each other right then. I thought he was the funniest person I'd ever been around. <laughs> and uh, so, but, you know, he gave me the opportunity to come work for him, and I did that for six years. And then when Hill brought him to Southern Miss, then I was elevated to the head coach at, at Meridian where I stayed the next four years before I joined Coach Palmer here in uh, the summer of 2000 at Southern Miss. One thing I read this morning uh, kind of surprised me. I don't know how many people know this. You you coached a kid named Cliff Lee in Meridian that won the American League Cy Young Award in 2008. Yeah, uh, Cliff was uh, was a young man that came to us from Benton, Arkansas. He had he had signed early with uh, University of Arkansas Little Rock. Then I got word that he was uh, really not wanting to go there. He was really kind of wanting to test the draft. Uh, and so he was kind of looking for a junior college. So I had a young man on the on the team at that time named Chris Curry, who was actually the head coach at the University of Arkansas Little Rock to, uh, right now. And Chris knew Cliff from summer ball, and and we kind of got everybody hooked up. And he came down and visited. And and uh, when it didn't work out, I think Cliff was drafted in the seventh round that year by the Marlins, but opted not to sign and, and came to Meridian and uh, was with us for two years and, and then went on to Arkansas and had a great junior year at, at Arkansas as well. And then signed, and of course, the rest is history, Cy Young Award winner, I think in 2007, uh, just an elite, elite pitcher uh, who's, who strike out to walk rate ratio was just off the charts. I think it was like 15 to one. And uh, just a young man that was very athletic and uh, that I was fortunate to to have in those two years at Meridian, among among a bunch of others, too, as well. We really had some great 
young men at Meridian Bob that not only were very good baseball players, that were hard workers, that wanted to learn, that were tough kids, but they were good kids as well and, and are, are good people now uh, with, with better family people out in our communities. Coach, you were named three times the Region 23 Coach of the Year, three times the District Coach of the Year, the Louisville Slugger Coach of the Year, and two-time Diamond Sports Region Coach of the Year. You had quite a run in Meridian, didn't you? Well, I think all that comes from if you if you if you win those championships. So um, we had some really good players, and uh, you know I had some really good coaches as well that were with me. Kelly Osborne, who I brought over from Seminole Junior College in Oklahoma, outstanding. He was my pitching coach, who actually coached two Cy Young Award winners. He actually coached. Uh, Eric Gagne uh, from the Dodgers, if you remember that, he was a closer that won Cy Young, but he 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 coached Gagne at Seminole and then had the opportunity to coach Cliff at Meridian. So not too too many people out there can say that they coached two Cy Young Award no. winners uh, like him. But then uh, then I brought in Mike Federico, who was also my assistant here at Southern Miss for a long time, who is now the head coach at the University of uh, Louisiana Monroe. Mike was my pitching coach there in my last year at Meridian. So we had uh, we had a great staff, and we had some really really good players that made made us look really good. Right. Well, uh, and then you come to Southern Miss, and I'm not going to get into all that because we we have you on the show all the time, and everybody knows what great great success uh, you have had at Southern Miss. But in the four or five minutes we have left, Coach, I want to talk to you in general about college baseball. Uh, it was a weird couple of years with kids getting extra time, COVID here, COVID there. Right now, in your view, what is the status of college baseball? Is it where you would like to see it in the United States? Well, you know, from a fan interest, I think it's at its all-time highest, obviously. Uh, you know, but from being able to manage what we are expected to do day in, day out, I think it's the most challenging it's ever been now that you have so many variables involved, one being COVID and roster management, where the NCAA gave everybody their year back, it kind of log jammed all your recruiting classes because, you know, what, what people don't understand is, is you don't recruit year to year. What I'm saying is, is like we're in, we're in 21 22, so we're not just looking at 22s for next year who we're going to sign. We've already committed those guys. I mean, we're looking at 23s and 24s and even 25s. But we also have to pump the brakes because of COVID has log-jammed recruiting classes by giving everybody their years back. So for since COVID, we've been, we'll have been we be log-jammed two to three years trying to not get too many signing classes because everybody's got that extra year. So we have that difficulty. We also have the transfer transfer portal that has exploded uh, on on everybody. So you can't really see what's going to happen there. You have to look at the draft. It used to be 40 rounds uh, two years ago in the COVID year. It went to five rounds. So that log jammed a lot of people that didn't sign professionally, both high school, junior college, or even uh, four year junior uh, four year school juniors to where last year it went to 20 rounds, and it looks like it's going to stay 20 rounds for a little while. So 
there's a lot of challenges that are in place. You know, scheduling is an everyday challenge, especially with COVID and, and with how it's starting to pick up again. You're starting to get people to to um, to uh, uh, to drop games with you, and you're seeing every day people looking for games that that they've had a cancellation. Uh, and then, if, not to mention the uh, the shortage of what we feel like on the coaching side that we've always. Um, been understaffed as 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 baseball uh, as a college baseball programs we're understaffed with the number of, of, of kids that we have I think we have a one to nine ratio uh, with with our kids or maybe even more than that and um, where other sports are are their ratios are much more in favor of of the players so and then you mentioned, uh, I think, off the air with the scholarships. Right. Obviously, we've been underfunded for a long, long time with that, and I don't look for that to change. Why is that, change. Coach? Coach Perry, why is, why is baseball singled out in that respect? <laughs> well, I think you have to look at the whole – and this is just my opinion, and I think I'm right on this, but, you know, everybody circles back to Title IX, which, uh, you know, women's sports is great. Don't don't get me wrong, and there's a place for it and needs to be there. There's some outstanding student-athletes that are, that are women at all campuses across the country. But the problem is with Title IX is, is they're trying to make it balanced with men's sports. And as long as you have football that is getting 85 full scholarships, there's nothing on the women's side that can bring their level up to that. So what they have to do is, is they have to cut back on the men's sports in order for the women's sports to rise up to try to be equal with men. What they need to do is, is they need to recognize, the NCAA needs to recognize that they need to take football out of the equation. Just totally take it out of there because it's, you're never going to be able to compete with that. You're always going to be behind. And it, it is, they're their own anyway. So take them out of it. Now let's balance all the other sports. And if that would happen, then you would see the numbers come up on baseball like like they should. But 11.7 scholarships for 27 guys, uh, you know that's just that's just not fair at all. And it never has been. And there's been a lot of a lot of people that have tried to get it changed. Obviously, the most outspoken is Coach Ron Polk, former coach mm-hmm. at Mississippi State, and he's been very open and adamant about about this and uh but it hasn't hasn't gotten us anywhere well coach i could talk to you for another hour but i know you got other things to do besides talk to me i want to thank you so much though for coming on our show this afternoon i thought it was great to get to talk to you about yourself and your career in baseball and and maybe not the next game that we're always seemingly uh focused on so we'll look forward to having you back on again soon coach and as always we appreciate everything you do for the eagle hour thank you bob Coach Scott Berry, everybody, head baseball coach at Southern Miss and a tremendous, tremendous asset for this university. All right, football, it's here. Luke Johnson previews tomorrow's game between Southern Miss and South Owl. Hang on.
the Eagle Hour, Southern Miss to the top. Hey, I want to thank Coach Scott Berry for joining us. That special interview. What a great interview with Coach Berry to hear him talk about his high school and even days before that. And uh, what a great man and a great asset to USM and one of the finest college baseball coaches in the country. No argument about that. All right, this segment of the show is sponsored by 4th Street Bar and Grill. If you don't make it to uh, Mobile tomorrow, you need to make it to 4th Street Bar and Grill. I guarantee you they're going to have the game on. They'll have great food and great entertainment for you all day tomorrow and all tomorrow night as the Golden Eagles take the football field back for the 2021 season. All right, it is it is here. It is time to play football. Luke Johnson joins me now. And, Luke, uh, we've been all waiting for this for some time, but uh, we're really, really close now. Uh, your your last-minute thoughts now as uh, we're on the eve of kicking off this new era of Southern Miss football. Well, Bob, yeah, it's when, – when you think about what's transpired in the last year for Southern Miss football – three head coaches in, in a season and what these players have been through. I mean, ever since Will Hall was, was named the coach, and, of course, man, just as emotional as that uh, time was, uh, you know, during that time, I mean, it, it's here now. And for me, uh, I, I just – every aspect of that coaching search, man, it was up and down. You heard names left and right. And I actually uh, was talking to, to Chris Vanninetti of the, of the Athletic during that coaching uh, search, and, and I, I made this comment. I said, this next coaching hire will determine the next possibly 10 to 20 years of Southern Miss football. We know what a good hire does. We know what a bad hire does. And and uh, so now we're going to see, um, you know, what Will Hall has, has got. And, and maybe in an unfair way, Southern Miss fans may have too much expectation. Will Hall has been um, – He's come in not with the, the rah-rah of a Larry Fedora, but he has come in, you know, speaking a, a lot of things to the Southern Miss base and, and whipping up support. But you feel like, you know, with, with Will Hall, when you listen to him talk, you feel like he's one of you. And he, you feel like he's a guy that knows football. And so Southern Miss fans need, need to temper a little bit. I'm not talking about specifically for tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, but, you know, for season one, just because, man, it, you're you're excited and there's a lot of momentum, but this team, you know, they got to learn how to win, and you're just in in year one, and tomorrow night just in game one. So interesting too that Kane Womack was maybe the he he was maybe right there by Will Hall, you know, in consideration for the head coaching job. He ends up at South Alabama, so you got a former Southern Miss guy coaching against the new Southern Miss coach, ninety miles apart. Boy, this is a storybook way to start the year. It really is, and it and it's you know there's a lot going in there. We we were as you just said, the aspect with uh, with Kane Womack and a lot of Southern Miss fans wanting him to come back. Jeremy McLean went with Will Hall, and so there's a lot riding on the line. Recruiting's on the line. Uh, winning losses on the line, but it's you know it's Will Hall's opportunity to to show why he was the guy Jeremy McLean picked. And I tell you what, that there can be a whole lot of first steps and second steps and third steps and. It will be, in football language, a big play, a big gain. If he, I don't think he has to to win, you know, in a in convincing fashion. I just think he needs to win, and it can be an ugly win or or a a a, a pretty win or, or a glamorous win. But it will do a lot to help him and solidify that this was the right guy for the program. If Southern Miss shows up and plays well, same pressure on Kane Womack. 
I think you're exactly right, too, because South Alabama has taken great strides in the last few years to encroach on Golden Eagle you know, recruiting territory, and Will Hall has the opportunity to put his foot down and say no. You know, the Mobile area still belongs to us. You think about Jeff Kelly, who, former Southern Miss quarterback, is the uh, head coach at Sarah Land High School. I mean, it's an opportunity for Southern Miss to say no. This is still our territory, even though you are physically located there. We dominate this region, and it will help. Southern Miss doesn't need to lose two years back-to-back to South Alabama. No, that's when all the problems started last year was when South Alabama came here and, and beat the Golden Eagles. But, Luke, is this the same Is this the same South Alabama team? Obviously, it's going to be a different Southern Miss team. Or are these two completely different teams than the two that squared off last year? You can say they're, you know, a, a lot's the same, a lot's different. On the South Alabama side, they got a, they got a new quarterback, Jake Bentley, who was in South Carolina, then Utah. So you feel like they get a little upgrade at the, uh, at the position. Um, and I've, I've mentioned it, I think it was last week on the Eagle Hour, the two returners are the two wide receivers that burned Southern Miss last year in Hattiesburger back, and they're taking on really the same defensive secondary that they burned last year. I think uh, it was Baker and, and Wayne had uh, close to, to 280 yards on the Golden Eagle secondary, just those two receivers alone. At the same token, um, it, it's our, Austin Armstrong's defense now. It's Will Hall's offense. And so, of course, although it, it is the same players out there, you got to feel like they've been coached differently. Um, they've been developed in, in a different way. They've been through Lance Ancar's strength and conditioning program. So if you believe in what Will Hall you know, has put forward about moving this program forward, you got to believe that perhaps those guys may be in a, a little better shape to, to play the same players from South Alabama that they played last year. So how does this play out? Let's talk offense first of all. What do the Golden Eagles have to do to accomplish what they want to accomplish offensively? It's got to start up, up front. Cliche, I know. But you've got an offensive line that desperately needs to dominate up front. Uh, this was a, an area of recruiting, uh, of intentionality, um, from the coaching staff in the offseason. And when you look at um, who the offensive line should be, with Cleet Washington at right tackle, uh, with Tykeem Doss and, and Bryson Mays will mix in there at left tackle. But you feel like it's better because Arvin Fletcher was just moved outside to, to plug a hole. Now, he's the smartest guy, the, the, your, your guy with the most experience. He's the quarterback now at center. So you got to feel about the, the offensive line. They've got to – Get rid of this 2.7 yards, you know, per carry. Frank Gore Jr.'s got to have holes. Mayberry's got to have places to run. You know, is, is Richard going to be involved? And then that's going to set up. You feel good about your, your receivers with Antoine Robinson and and uh, Jason Brownlee on the outside. I'm excited to see what DeQuan Bailey Brown does. What's interesting earlier in the week when the depth charts were released, there's actually a, a fullback position so that gets you excited. You got five tight ends, two of them. Uh, Cavallo and Driver will be at fullback. And so you just wonder, can Will Hall, as we've seen him in other places, impose his, impose his will uh, on uh, a defense? So I just will have to wait and see, but it's all going to start up front for the Golden Eagles. Defensively, the Golden Eagles got to toughen up a lot on the defensive line of scrimmage. They gave up a, a, just an absolute ton of yards last year against Tulane and other teams and they were just so they were so victimized by the big offensive plays downfield. Am I right that you gotta stop the run better and you gotta cut out these, you know, seventy, sixty, seventy yard touchdowns that they gave up last year? 
got to get more pressure. And with, with Kitchen, Sykes, and, and Quavon, Quavon's put on a little more weight than he was last year at the defensive end position. Um, you know, Avery's come along a lot better on, on the outside position. Good news earlier this week, looks like Hayes Maples will play in this game. I don't think Swayze Bozeman will be back. But, you know, expect to see a lot of pressure from Austin, Austin Armstrong, you know, putting pressure on Jake Bentley and, and that offensive line. And I'm excited to see that. You know, in my mind, I, I kind of want to go back to, to, to Thompson days, but it'll be, it still will be a pressurized approach from Austin Armstrong's offense. And, and what South Alabama, where they beat us last year, was one-on-one in the secondary in the deep ball. They're going to play a lot of man on the outside. Nasty bunch will and, They've got to do what they've needed to do. If you get pressure on the quarterback, you don't allow those uh, deep passes to develop like they did last year. All right, 90 seconds left. Uh, what we haven't talked about much at all leading up to the game is the, are the special teams for the Golden Eagles. And you know a lot about that. Uh, special teams' uh, strengths, uh, are, are they strong for the Golden Eagles? Yeah, I mean, Bourgeois is back. He was a kicker last year. Good accuracy, and he could play in this game with a new offense. You feel like maybe they can move the ball, but can they finish? And whenever stalls drive, you got to come away with points. Golden Eagles got in trouble last year when they, they couldn't convert, um, either going for fourth down or, or missing field goals or, or whatever. But Bourgeois um, should be back. He should be fine. And then T.J. Harvey, the D-snapper, he's always been consistent. The punting's kind of up in the air. Mason Hunt is expected to start. Fleming may back him up. But um, field position, and, and that's the biggest thing with punting. When those drives stall out and you can't get points because of the field goal, can you pin your opponent deep? And so, again, because this is a, an area that Will Hall has said he's putting his best players out there. That's the Jeff Bauer approach. You put your athletes on special teams because if you neglect special teams, it will bite you in the tail in front of everybody. If you emphasize special teams, it will play to your strength and everybody will see how much you value it. An awful lot of games are won with special teams, and I know you're very fond of punters for obvious reasons, but you're right. Punters can control the field position of a game in a lot of ways, and that's far more important than I think we we oftentimes think of. They do. And, uh, you know, as as someone who took pride and teammates recognize that, and, uh, you know, I, I would always look up, and, man, I think nine out of the ten guys that protected me went to the NFL. That's <laughs> so pretty good. That always instills confidence in, in you also. But, yeah, when, when you're part of a, a phase that the team takes pride in and, and, you know, with that special teams phase, they always used to tell us there's no second downs in the kicking game. And that's true. All right, when we come back, uh, Luke and I will give you our predictions. Uh, not that they matter, but uh, we like doing it. And we'll also preview high school football that's right uh, hours away. Stay tuned. More with Luke and I on the Friday edition of the Eagle Hour.
The Eagle Hour, Southern Miss to the top. Hey, welcome back. Uh, talking to Luke Johnson. I'm in the First Bank Studio here in Hattiesburg. This segment of the show is sponsored by our good buddies at D1 and DBAT. What a great, great training facility for kids uh, engaged in baseball and softball and for adults engaged in every sport. Uh, Catherine and, and the great staff down there can fix you up a tailor-made program to help you accomplish what you need to to be the best you can be. D1, DBAT, Hardy Street uh, in Hattiesburg. All right, Luke. Uh, We'll get to back to that South Alabama Southern Miss game here in just a moment, but it's it's time again for high school football, and uh, we got two pretty good games coming on our Hattiesburg and Laurel Super Talk stations tonight. Yeah, first uh, Presbyterian Christian, who's out to two and zero, they uh, they really shut out or almost shut out Silliman Institute last week, forty two to two, blew them out. Got a win the week before against Simpson Academy, nine to nothing, but. They're at Columbia Academy, so making a little 30-minute trek from Highway 98 to, uh, to CA. Caleb Hamill will be on the call on 97.3. I will be out in, uh, in Soso at, at my alma mater, West Jones, uh, hosting the Northeast Jones Tigers. So a Jones County rivalry going on. Now, when I played, Bob, Northeast Jones wore us out. They won the state championship in 96, played for it again in 97, and but uh, tables have turned. They're in 4A now, but uh, they were able last week to get a 27 to nothing victory at home against uh, Northeast Lauderdale and, and Coach Braddock and his staff out there. Year two of them implementing a, a wing key offense with the offensive coordinator Ryan Milner. And uh, some of my old buddies that coach at Laurel High School, they're out at Northeast Jones and trying to turn that around. But i tell you what, though, man, West Jones last week um, – up at Madison Central and playing down some guys with a new quarterback and a lot of new faces. And they were, towards the end of the game, they were just throwing bodies out. Uh, West Jones spotted uh, Madison Central three touchdowns and then came back in the third quarter and tied it up. And uh, Madison Central got the lead late. Um, West Jones had an opportunity to tie it and then win it but couldn't come through. So I'm feeling good about the Mighty Mustangs um, <laughs> playing down with new quarterbacks and new people and, and almost – beat Madison Central on the road. All right. Also, Conference USA kicks off in full gear this weekend. I guess everybody does, really. Football season's here, Luke Johnson, and uh, it's going to be fascinating to see how things play out, particularly in the Western Division of the league. Well, you even though uh, Southern Miss doesn't have a, a conference game this weekend, it's going to help them build confidence going forward uh, with the conference, and so you got to Man, you got to do what needs to be done. And when you look at um, what, what's happening um, tomorrow, actually uh, tonight Charlotte will open up with, with Duke, Old Dominion on the road at Wake Forest. Tomorrow, Rice, be interesting to see what they do um, in, against the Arkansas Razorbacks. Marshall's at Navy. Louisiana Tech at Mississippi State. Middle Tennessee's uh, hosting Monmouth. FAU on the road at 13th-ranked Florida. North Texas hosting Northwestern State, UTSA at the 1-0 Fighting Illini of Illinois, and uh, UTEP hosting Bethune-Cookman. But as far as a, a lot of regional games, but, but that Southern Miss-South Alabama game actually might be the closest. I'm interested to see what Rice does at Arkansas, and um, even even tonight see what Charlotte does uh, against Duke, and actually Charlotte is 
hosting um, the Duke Blue Devils tonight. Right. I'm also interested in, in seeing uh, how Louisiana Tech does in Starkville. Star, that's a kind of a hard team to figure. You know, second-year coach up at Mississippi State. Obviously, they have a, a, a lot of resources and a lot of advantages, but uh, interesting to see uh, how well the Bulldogs uh, can go up there and play. Uh, may tell us a, a good bit about what to look for them this year. All right. So, obviously, our main interest will be in Mobile, Alabama tomorrow night if you can't make it to the game. It's on ESPN+. Plus, So, it's going to be a really good broadcast as well as a great uh, game to attend in person. Looking for a big crowd. All right, Luke Johnson, minute left. How do you see this playing out? It's all going to depend on, uh, I think it's going to come down to turnovers. A new offense and a new defense, can you, can you keep a clean sheet and can you force the other team I think it's going to be close. Um, I think it's going to be back and forth. Um, could be a, a bourgeois field goal late. Can Trey Lowe establish it? Uh, I, I expect to see Frank Gore in some ways maybe have as many yards receiving as he does rushing. Um, I'm going with my head and my heart. I'm going to say uh, Golden Eagles 27, uh, South Alabama 24. Well, I'm with you in the respect I think it's going to be anybody's football game. You know, Kane Womack wants to win it badly. You know, Will Hall wants to win it badly. But I just think it's a great opening game for the Golden Eagles. Frankly, it's a game I'd like to see them open with every year. I'd love to see a South Al home-and-home deal maybe to open the season. Uh, I'm with you. I think the Golden Eagles win a close one. I'm going to give them a three-point edge. I think the game will be decided late in the fourth quarter. I will take it. I will take it if we win two to nothing. I will take it if we win fifty-six to three. I just uh, I want to get these guys back from last year, and I want Will Will Hall to have confidence, and I want Southern Miss fans to be excited after uh, tomorrow night. All right, we'll have a special holiday show Monday, and uh, we'll have Lee Roberts back on the uh, program next Tuesday to analyze the South Al game. Hopeful of a great night for Golden Eagle football. We're just happy that it's back. Until the next time, everybody, Southern Miss. To the top. Into the future. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping. Into the future. Talk Mississippi Media Production.